Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. True Christianity is more than just religion. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than a lifestyle. Christianity is even more than a moral compass. Okay, uh, That's what we're looking at in this whole series. And you might think this is strange, but in this next passage of Scripture, we, we see what true Christianity is all about. Okay, I mean, it's throughout uh, Ephesians we see this. But look with me at Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 21. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Let's see if it comes up there. There we go. So if you can see that, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. Okay, this is the passage we're busy with. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior savior of the body, uh, uh, of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spots or wrinkle or any other blemish. So perfect. Okay. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Perfect. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Because they're one, because they're part of each other. Verse 29. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body, as the scriptures say. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. This is a great mystery. This is the key. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So in this passage, there's great principles for marriage. Okay, and uh, I've got series online that you can go listen to for free on that, and I think they're great, they work for us and and our marriage, and that's wonderful, but the key here is that Paul is writing and saying that this isn't actually about marriage. Okay, so, you know, we can easily kind of get into this and say, wow, I can learn all about marriage here, and you can learn some good things, but he's not talking about marriage. He's using marriage as an illustration. Okay, and we'll probably get into the marriage side of things another time. But there's something else in here. And if all we do is come, the church by and large makes a mistake of just coming here and talking about marriage. Marriage is important, but not everyone gets married. Okay, not everyone has to get married. Okay, but for those who are married, there's some good truths in this and there's some great things to to, to learn. But this is talking about our relationship with Jesus. This is talking about our relationship with Jesus. Verse 31 and 32 says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So he's saying, I'm talking about your relationship with Jesus. 
He's saying, I'm talking about Christianity. Okay? You know, the verse before that is basically saying, you know, we are bone, we're flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, however it puts it. It's saying that we are in his image and his likeness. It's saying that we're, 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 it's not talking about just marriage and Adam and Eve, it's talking about us and Jesus. Okay? Now verse 31 in another translation says this, Marriage reflects this union. A man would separate himself from his own parents to be glued to his wife. Thus, two separate people are now merged into one new identity. And I mean, this is the picture of um, uh, salvation. This is the picture, you know, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's, 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 I believe it's all, it all happened, but there's a deeper meaning to it. It's the, the message of salvation. Easiest one to, to kind of see would be Exodus. Yeah, it, it's the salvation going through the Red Sea, a picture of baptism into Christ, etc., etc. It's showing us that it's a foreshadow of salvation. So is the relationship with Adam and Eve. So is all these verses. Even uh, Michael brought up a verse about it earlier, not knowing that I'm getting there. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but the point is, is that this is a picture of our relationship with Jesus. Okay, how two become one. I, I, I was, it's, I was, uh, I had the privilege of doing a marriage prep with a couple at the moment. We're getting married soon, and uh, this, um, uh, uh, I was talking with the guy this past week and said to him, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, and, and as a Christian, you've got to see that. And I said, now. Any man get married, he's a new creation. <laughs> you got a new identity. I said, and then when you have children, any man have children, <laughs> you're a new creation. I was just explaining to him the picture of life now with your relationship with God. The same way you become completely new, you can't, un- you, you can't unchange the fact that, well, you can't unchange that you're married. But, but you know, you shouldn't be able to. And then when you, when you, when you get uh, children, you can't unchange that either. Although some people would maybe seek to do that legally. Uh, uh, the point is, is that you become a new person. There's a new identity. And so this whole passage, we'll go through it one day, about marriage and focus in on that. But I wanted to bring out the truth that Paul's bringing through the whole book of Ephesians, which is oneness with Christ, union with Christ. Because that's what he's trying to show us. Okay, so this passage is showing us about our relationship with Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 says, The person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. This is saying, like, you know, like in that passage now we saw in Ephesians chapter 5, it's talking about how to become one. Okay, they're no longer two, but now they're one. This verse is saying what happened to you as a believer. When you said yes to Jesus, two became one. Okay, fused together with Christ. That's what, you, what happened to you. You became fused together with Christ. Okay, his life became your life. Okay, a lot of people see Christianity as I'm just following Jesus. It's much more than that. You have a better relationship with Jesus than the disciples had when He was with them on earth. Why? Because He was with them and now He's in you. You have a better relationship with with Jesus than Moses had. 
Well, you can. A lot of Christians don't. But we can. We get to because Moses, Elijah, all these uh, big boys from the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the day when the promise would be fulfilled. And God's Spirit would now come to live in man. That's what we get to enjoy now. We get to enjoy the, the fulfillment of what was promised from Genesis onwards, which was, I will live in man. God speaking, obviously, not me. <laughs> so, yeah, this is talking about being fused together with Christ. Nothing and no one can separate you from Christ. When you become one with Him, you're one forever. Okay? This is salvation or eternal life. Union with Him. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in us. We are in Christ and He is in us. Okay? And many Christians see their, 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 their new life in Christ as a second chance. And because of your old life, maybe it is just a, a second chance, but it's much more than that. It's not another chance to try harder or to do it right or to, to, get a, you know, to, to, to be a better person. It's a, it's, it, now Christianity is, I died, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20 Okay, So we've got to see that it's not just a continuation of the old. It's a whole new life. The message of the gospel isn't try harder. The message of the gospel isn't a second chance. The message of the gospel is new life. New life. Okay, Verse 23 from Ephesians chapter 5 says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you, you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. So the point I want to bring out of this in terms of our relationship with God is Christ is our head. Christ is the, our chief. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. We can't save ourselves. Our relationship with Jesus works better when we allow Him to lead. <laughs> okay? You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Most Christians want the I shall not want part, but they don't want the the Lord is my shepherd part, which means he's I'm allowing him to lead me. Okay? We're trying to find the still waters by ourselves. <laughs> We're trying to find the green pastures by ourselves when he is the good shepherd who wants to lead you to that place of peace, of provision, of life. Okay, we need to, to submit to His Lordship in everything. Okay, verse 25 again, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up His life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to Himself, a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. This is what Jesus did for you, and this describes you now. Even though you might not see it, even though you might not feel it, and even though you might not believe it. Okay? You are now, everything that this passage says about, uh, about the church, holy, clean, washed. You are without spot or wrinkle, without blemish. You are holy and without fault. That's who you are now because of Jesus, not because you tried better. Yeah, so Christ love, loves us 
And love motivated him to lay down his life for us. We all know the fridge magnet scripture. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 You know, this is showing us that love motivated God to do what he did for us. Okay? Another scripture says in 1 John 3.16 We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Jesus gave up his life for us. This is showing that true love he gave for us. He's not expecting you to give to him. But look at the next part in 1 John 3.16. It's not on the screen. It says, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So what this is showing is that when we experience the love of God, we'll flow in the love of God to those around us. You can't give what you haven't experienced. A lot of Christians are trying to love God and love other people, and you're going to fail unless you've received His love and experienced His love, then you can't respond in love to Him and to other people. Okay? So back to um, the end of 25 there of uh, Ephesians chapter 5. It says, He gave up his, His life for her, verse 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to Himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 says that uh, uh, by, by God's will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus' body once and for all. Now this is really cool. As I was meditating on this, I was like, I, I realized like Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Okay, now for us, that doesn't mean much. <laughs> Okay, but you know, two weeks back we were in Zululand, and, and I told you last week we were busy uh, ministering to, to people who have a sacrificial system. You know, someone dies, then you sacrifice something, a goat or whatever, so that when they get to heaven, they've got something to offer to get in. Okay, and so when I said there that Jesus was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, it meant something more than it means for us. Okay, because when we say the word sacrifice, we think of goats, death, or something like that. Okay, but we, we do have a sacrificial system in, in our um, operating systems sometimes. Okay, and if, if, if you haven't renewed your mind, you may have a sacrificial system in your mind of when I do wrong, I need to sacrifice something in order to get right with God. We, 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 we have thought like that previously. Praise God, I'm free from that. <laughs> so, you know, if you operate like that, then it's like, wow, I made such a mistake. God, please forgive me. I'm going to fast this week. I'm going to show you, God. I'm going to make it up to you. And, and he's like, you could never make it up to me. <laughs> That's why I sent Jesus. You know? And, and we have these little systems of, wow, I feel so bad. I need, to, I need to get right with God. Well, the only way to get right with God is faith in Christ. Once your faith is in Him, you're alright with Him. Amen. Now, that when you do wrong, and you hurt someone, go say sorry, apologize, and make right with them. But God, you could never offend God. As a believer, you could never offend Him with doing something wrong. It doesn't give you a reason to go and do it, but it should make you overwhelmed by His goodness and His love that you never want to do something wrong again. Okay, so Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice which ends all sacrifices. So we no longer need to try and please or appease God. We don't have to try and please Him by doing some good things to try and get more favor from Him. 
And we don't have to do good things to try and make Him not angry with us because now we've got His favor because we're Christians and He's not angry with us. He's not angry with anyone. Okay? Another aspect of this, as I was meditating on it, is that no sacrifice... Now, when we were there, I, I said this last week as well, in Zululand, uh, uh, we were told, you know, they, they're off, the Sangomas around here don't want you here, they're offering sacrifices against you, they'd rather have you dead. They put some people's hair up uh, on the back of their necks, and I was like, let them come and do it in my room while I'm sleeping. I really don't care. <laughs> it doesn't affect me, because I know who's in me. Now, if you're not sure of who's in you, then you're going to be a little bit shaken. Okay? But I worded it like this. I said, no sacrifice against me as a believer could ever have effect on me because of the sacrifice that's been made for me that has ultimate power. So it's like, shoot your best shot. That's what the exact words I used in Zululand. You know, because it's like, it, it, unless I fear it, it has no power over me. So, as believers, we should never ever lose in a spiritual battle. Because Christ in us, our hope of glory. 1 John 4 verse 4, this is from the Passion, it says, Little children, you can be certain that you belong to God. And have conquered them. For the one who lives in you, is living in you, is far greater than the one who is in the world. You have nothing to fear because of who lives in you. But you have to be certain of this. Otherwise, it's a reality which doesn't you'd never experience because you don't uh, believe it. Yeah? It, it, it's like uh, if you come to visit us and uh, you, you're like, I wonder if they'll open the gate. Yeah. Carl, you experience this every morning. <laughs> she's messaging I'm at the gate and she's waiting I wonder if they're going to open yeah, but, but a, a different context let's say but, but if you come to, to, to visit us and you're like I wonder if they'll actually let me see if, if you're confident that we really want to see you that when you come to visit you know hey if they're there they'll, they'll open up that's the kind of confidence we need to have that hey we know that the greater one lives in me so if the devil comes knocking <laughs> I'm not going to be scared did I mention the armor? I'll mention it again. Last week, I think I may have mentioned, but the armor of God, you know, the helmets of salvation, we kind of, I don't know if anyone's like this, yeah, so if you like this, I, I love you, and please forgive me. But we kind of go through this religious practice of helmets of salvation. Click. Breastplate of righteousness. Click. You know, we want to like, kind of like, have you done that? I've done that. And we just need a good song for it, you know. And, and we want to do all of these things, and what good is that? I mean... If the devil could laugh, I'm sure he would be laughing at us. Because it's like, what, what good is that? What good is that? Then in the morning, oh, it fell off somewhere. I need to put it on again. Because I've never heard of anyone taking it off when they go to bed. Yeah. And, and so it's like, those are positional truths. They are fixed realities. Of the, I've got the helmets of salvation. And it protects, now I'm going into the next chapter of Ephesians already, but it protects my head. It protects my brain. It protects my vision. You know, uh, 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 the breastplate of righteousness protects my heart, protects my lungs, it protects my vital organs. You know, and, 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 and I'm talking spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking. When we're convinced of our salvation, the enemy can't play with us in our minds because we're secure. Okay? So, 
We've got these positional truths and it's the armor of God. But most believers are so insecure with regard to the armor, with positional truths of who we are in Christ, that the devil comes knocking and we pull the, 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 the visor up and we're like, we expose ourselves as wearing God's armor and he sees who's inside. It's the armor of God, which means when he sees you, he sees God. He doesn't see you. It's not about your holiness. Acts chapter 3. You know, Peter goes and they're going to the temple to pray and they see a, a guy who can't walk and he says to him, hey, silver and gold, I, I don't have anything to give you because he's a beggar. He says, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He lifts him up and he's healed. Everyone in the temple, what are they doing? Wow! They're amazed and they're watching Peter and they're like, this guy must be super holy. And what does Peter say to them? Why are you marveling at us as by our personal holiness we made this man to walk? He's saying, this supernatural miracle had nothing to do with my holiness. And yet most Christians, when they're in a position where they need a miracle disqualify themselves from experiencing a miracle or operating in the miraculous because we know we're not perfectly holy. And yet, the supernatural has nothing to do with your holiness. Everything to do with His holiness and His grace towards you that now He's living in you. Okay? We, we have nothing to fear. I mean, another verse. Uh, this isn't on the screen, but Luke chapter 10 Verse 19, Jesus speaking and says, Behold, I will give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. All power over, uh, all the, of all the, the enemy's power. You've got, you, you, the enemy's got nothing on you. Christians are often overcome in life by the life or by the enemy because they see their new life in Christ as a continuation from the old. They don't see themselves as now I'm born of God. We've got to be convinced I belong to God. I'm born of God. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says in the New Living Translation, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ... He identified you as His own or put His seal on you by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. What this is saying is that when you believed the Gospel, everything changed. When you believed the Gospel, everything changed. And yet a lot of us live our lives as though we believe the Gospel, but we still got to work at something for things to change. No, you believe the Gospel and you became a new creation. You said yes to Jesus and now you're perfectly one with Him. Now you've got to realize what happened to you and you've got to know who you are in Christ now in order to live like Jesus. Okay? Galatians 3.14 sums up the gospel beautifully. Galatians 3.14, it says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And I've said this before, I've said this a couple times through the series. The blessing of Abraham is not money. The blessing of Abraham is not wealth. And I know that's disappointing for, for the majority. But the, the, the blessing of Abraham is much more significant than that. It's the Spirit of God living in a man. 
The Spirit of God living in us. It's salvation. That is huge. You're not doing life alone. You don't have to do life alone. Because God is with you. And this is what was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. This is the promise. Ezekiel 36. This is one of the places where this promise is. 36, uh, 25 to 27 says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will, uh, also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you an heart of flesh. And will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Uh, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. I love this because it's showing that now because the Spirit of God is living in you, you're not going to try and obey the commandments. It's going to be an overflow. You're not going to try and live up to, to some kind of standard. It's going to cause you to rise up and live at a new level. 1 John 5 verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We looked at that last week. This is showing that you're different. You're new. There's something unique about you now as a believer. Okay? 1 Corinthians 3.16. I know we're just going through some scriptures quickly, but they're on the screen, most of them for you. It says, You should know that you yourselves are God's temple. God's Spirit lives in you. So a Christian is somebody who has Christ in them. You have Jesus living in you. That's why... Uh, 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 in 1 John 4 verse 4 it says um, you, know, you don't have to fear them in the world because the greater one lives in you and so you need to remind yourself of that truth you need to be convinced of that truth when things get tough and, and people are against you or, or when it feels like all oh, hell's breaking loose you need to remind yourself the greater one lives in me you need to continuously remind yourself of that. And that's why you can do the same works as Jesus did in greater works. Because the greater one lives in you. John 14:12 is not just a, an encouraging verse, a nice thought, a hope and a dream. It's a reality that we can walk in. It says, I tell you the truth. <clears throat> Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my Father. This is not just a nice thought. This isn't just a hope and a dream. This is Christianity. That we can do the same works. It doesn't say that the, the priests and the pastors and the bishops and the popes and the whoever's, whatever Mulungus you, you see, uh, uh, whatever, uh, um, what's the other word, Muruti, Whatever, you know, it's not just talking about the big boys, the big shots. It's talking about whoever believes in me will do the same works. So because of our union with Christ, because we've got the Spirit of God living in us, we should be living supernatural lives and people out there should see that we're different. We shouldn't just be like everyone else. People should look at us and wonder. Okay? Not just because of your haircut. <laughs> Or because of the way you dress, but because there's something different about you. They experience Jesus when they experience you. So, you know, this is true Christianity. You know, think about it. What separates Christianity from any other religion? Think about it for a moment. I know what C.S. Lewis said, and he's right, but there's more. <laughs> okay? What separates Christianity from every other religion? Yes, it's grace. But there's more than that. 
It's the grace of the Spirit. The fact that now you have the Spirit of God living in you. You're not living for some great Spirit. You've got a great Spirit, the Holy Spirit, living in you. You don't go somewhere to meet God. He's always with you. You don't, you don't have to try and, and, and jump through hoops to meet with Him. You don't have to, to kind of... You know, worship isn't a, let's wind up this box and get this party started and hopefully God will pitch up, you know. It's not like that. It's like He was here when we switched the lights on. The moment I switched, walked in, I switched the lights on, uh, 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 God was here already. You know, before we prayed as a team beforehand, He was here. Before you pitched up, he was here, and he was also with you on your way here. Because now he's never leaving us, he's never forsaking us, because we're one with him. Okay? This is what separates us. There's many cults that do baptism in water. Baptism in water doesn't separate us from other uh, 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 religions. Communion. You know, there's, there's sects of Christianity which have bread and cup communion and, and do all of those type of things. That doesn't separate us from them. There's many different religions that practice or sing and, and read from the Bible even and things like that. And that doesn't make them truly saved. What makes them saved is that they've got the Spirit of God living in them because they believed in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Simple. Okay? This is true Christianity. It's not about following rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. Having Him live in us. Okay? Now what we need to do is be convinced of this. Yeah, this is what Paul talks about when, in Romans chapter 12 when he says yeah, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We experience change by changing our thinking. We don't, we're not experiencing new life because we're not thinking new life. If, if, if you're not experiencing what the Bible calls Christianity, it's because you're not thinking like the, what the Bible calls Christianity. Okay? Cr- Christianity isn't just a, I'm going to church because I'm a Christian. It's a, God's living in me. And I'm taking Him to that pla- the, your place of work. You're taking Him to your, your place of uh, education or the shop or the restaurant or the coffee shop or wherever. Okay? So we need to be convinced of this if we want Him to flow through us. The very moment that we believed He came to live in us. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says. The issue here is that the majority of Christians are living, we're living way below what God's got for us. Why? Because we don't know. It's a knowledge problem. It's a knowledge problem. It, and then we're not convinced of it. We think that our sin is hindering God from living in us. Okay? I'm sure that you've had that thought at some point, or you know someone with that, 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 that kind of belief, but I'm pretty sure you don't have that. Amen? But we have this thought often of, God can't live in me because I make mistakes. Why would a holy God live in an unholy person? My response to that is that's 100% true. So get saved. (laughs) And start to think like a saved person. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10, By the which will we are sanctified, made holy, through the body of Christ, 
once and for all. You've been made holy through what Jesus did, and now you put your faith in Him. Now you are holy so that the Spirit of God can live in you. And now that the Spirit of God lives in you, He doesn't leave you because He said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Okay? If you, if you look at, 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 at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why, we, why is there no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus? Because your sins have been dealt with. Okay? The Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay? He, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, the payment for our sins. Not just for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2 verse 2. So, you know, if we believe that, then it gives us boldness that we have direct access to God all the time. Especially when you make mistakes. Especially when you're not living like Jesus. Especially when you're not living up to scratch. Okay? So, a good question would be, you know, do we want to experience more fruitfulness in our lives? Do we want more, more love, more power, more, more uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit, more gifts of the Spirit? Do we, want, do we want this? The answer should be yes. We want more. How do we do that? It's, it's, uh, it's really simple. It's just through intimacy. That's why Paul is in Ephesians chapter 5 bringing it back to a relationship between a husband and a wife. Because it's talking about intimacy. It's talking about intimacy. You know, I heard someone say it like this once. Intimacy is into me you see. It, it's, it's that level of we just know each other. It, we, we, you, you can kind of know what each other's thinking. I mean, you, if you've been friends even just with someone for a long period of time, you know, you rub off on each other to the place where you start to, to think alike, where you don't even need to communicate with words, you just know. I had a couple of moments like that with my wife this week. And I just, she would start talking, I'd just answer it because I was walking. And she would be like, uh, how did you know I was going to say it's funny? Or she said, it's funny how you knew what I was going to talk about. And I was like, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but you know, that's great. You know, it, it lessens our words. <laughs> you know, which might not be so good for her. <laughs> and she's listening, so I have to be careful. But the point is, is that intimacy brings increased fruitfulness. Intimacy brings increased fruitfulness. That's why Paul's bringing up marriage. Your marriage to Jesus is one where he wants you to experience such a deep intimacy in knowing him that you will start to live like him without trying. He wants you to, to live like him without trying. He wants you to experience. Let, let, me, let me change that. Because sometimes we say live like Jesus and we're thinking power. We're thinking raising the dead. We're thinking of all those things automatically, which is great. Amen. But let's, let's just bring it down to maybe the, the attainable goal in our heads. Okay? <laughs> Something super, super simple. We can experience peace like Jesus experienced in the boat with the storm when we've got that intimate relationship with Him. When we just know that He's not going anywhere, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, you've got this big storm, and you're just like at peace, you're at rest, you're, you're constant. Because you know that you know, that you know that you know that He's with you. And He will never leave you nor forsake you, He's not going to drop you. And then you're just confident. It's not just about healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, and casting out demons. <laughs> it's about experiencing peace like Jesus experienced. 
It's about loving people like Jesus would, would, would love you. It's about being secure like Jesus would be secure. Every single one of us wants to be secure. Some people are more insecure than others, but the truth is, is once we become intimate with Jesus and we're just receiving His love and we're letting Him love on us and we're showing, letting Him allow us to, to, to uh, we're allowing Him to show us what He thinks of us, then we would be able to become more secure, which means we wouldn't be shaken by the opinions of other people. We wouldn't be shaken by what other people think of us. Because we're intimate with Jesus. We're looking into His eyes and we're seeing our reflection. We're seeing what He sees. And He goes, wow. You know what He says? Let me find that scripture quickly. He looks at us and He's going, wow. You're holy. You're clean. You're washed. You're without spot. You're without wrinkle. You have no blemishes. You're holy and you're without fault. See, when we're intimate with Jesus, that's what we're going to download from Him. We should grow in our opinion of ourselves and think like He thinks about us. And I know most, most, most Christians' sorry prayers, not, not unforgivable prayers, but sorry prayers are, God, I'm just a moron. I'm so sorry. I messed up again. And that's most of our, our prayer life often because we're so focused in on the, the, the sin and not the Savior. But when we're coming and we're enjoying relationship with Him, when we're focused in on Him, we'll constantly be hearing in our hearts, you're holy, you're clean, you're washed, you're without spot, without wrinkle, without any other blemish, you're holy and you're without fault. And that's what needs to be secured in our hearts. Is that I'm one with Him and this is who I am. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank You that this is our new reality as believers. I thank You, Father, that because of grace, not because of our efforts, but because of grace, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, we are holy. We are clean. We are washed. We are without spots, without wrinkle, without any other blemish. We're holy and we're without fault. And Father, I pray for all of us that we would grow in intimacy with You so that we can experience this reality. As we spend time with You, Jesus, I thank You that we'll see in Your eyes, so to speak, and we'll see how You see us. That we would stop judging ourselves by our actions and start judging ourselves by your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we are holy. We are clean. We are washed. We are without spot. We are without wrinkle. We are without any blemish. We are holy. We are without fault. We are not condemned. There is no shred of condemning evidence that could stand against anyone that is crime. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page Grace Life Rondebosch